This episode of The Quickie is brought to you by My Budget. Live your life free from money worries. Hi, I'm Claire from Mamma Mia's new podcast, The Quickie. You may not recognise my voice, but you will recognise Amelia Lester's. She joined us on this latest episode, along with Planet America's Chaz Lichardello, to talk about all the Trump drama from the past week, including that not-so-very-successful summit with North Korea and his former lawyer unloading, calling him a racist and a cheat. We thought you might like to check it out. My budget is the smarter way to manage your money. Most of us feel like we're just treading water, and that's exhausting. But it doesn't have to feel this way. My budget is more than just a budget plan. They pay your bills and create savings. You'll achieve your goals faster than you could on your own. In fact, the majority of my budget clients pay off more than 87% of their unsecured debt within just three years. So what are you waiting for? My budget does all the hard work for you. Mybudget.com.au. He has a certain vision, and it's not exactly our vision, but it's a lot closer than it was a year ago. And I think, you know, eventually we'll get there. But for this particular visit, we decided that we had to walk, and uh, we'll see what happens. Donald Trump had talked up his second summit with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un, saying it would be very successful. Turns out it wasn't. That was the president explaining that he walked away from a denuclearization deal with the chairman because Kim had asked for all sanctions to be dropped in return for partly dismantling their nuclear capability, something Trump says he couldn't agree to, so they went their separate ways. Host of Planet America, Chaz Lichardello, joins us now. Chaz, who's telling the truth here? North Korea say they tried to do a deal to shutter one of their main nuclear facilities in return for some sanctions to end. But Trump says they wanted them all dropped for partial closure. Well, there isn't as much difference between the two sides as you might think because, well, I don't think Trump would like this, but some of his State Department, that there, that's the Foreign Affairs Department in America, have basically contradicted him off the record and said that Kim Jong-un was telling the truth. <laughs> they have basically said that he is right what he is saying, not Trump. But what they've pointed out is, there isn't that much difference between the two sides in that there are a whole stack of sanctions on North Korea and North Korea apparently only asked for the sanctions to be removed that were imposed after 2016, but those sanctions are most of the sanctions. They're the really hardcore sanctions and they're really hurting North Korea. So Kim Jong-un is probably telling the truth that there were only some sanctions asked for removal, but those sanctions are the really ones that count. So what are they? What are these sanctions? The sanctions before 2016 were generally stopping more exotic kind of trading, whereas the sanctions after 2016 were stopping all imports and exports of oil, which is a huge deal, obviously, for any country, and for many more of the necessities of life basically trying to 100% isolate North Korea and force them to come to the table. So they're, they're much more hardcore than the ones that are stopping countries becoming rich. The position of the American the Department of State is that they're the only ones that would actually put pressure, real pressure, on North Korea. So why are these summits even being held? Like, we saw North Korea, they've remained isolated for donkey's years, then all of a sudden Donald Trump comes along. Is he that good that he can create these opportunities to open dialogue with North Korea? Why is it happening? 
Donald Trump is always saying himself as a dealmaker. He thinks that he has the ability to swing people, and some, yeah, he may be right on occasions, but the foreign affairs community, what you call the establishment, are of the opinion that you shouldn't hold these summits unless you've already worked out what's going to happen beforehand, that these summits should essentially be theatre, that the little ants scurrying around in the foreign affairs department should get together for six months beforehand, work out exactly what the deal is, then the two of you get together, you small talk for half an hour, slap each other on the back, and then sign the deal. That's how it's meant to work. But what's happened in the last few years under Trump is that Trump has not only does he fancy himself as a great deal maker, but he doesn't really trust his foreign affairs people to work for him. And so he likes to do the deals himself. And now the summits are where the actual deal making happens. And the deal making is between only Trump and only Kim Jong un. And that's risky. Because yeah, sometimes you don't make a deal. When the ants don't make a deal, no one ever finds out about it. But when Trump doesn't make a deal, you get the whole thing blown up in your face, which is what happened during this summer. So if he's so much about saving face and making this deal, this is not the first time that they've held a discussion. And the first time around, it seemed like there was a deal made, even though there's not been any denuclearization of the North Korean peninsula, as far as anyone can see at this point. So why would he go for round two? What is he getting out of it? I think in round one, he got exactly what he wanted, which was he got, at that one point in time, he was acting as if he deserved the Nobel Peace Prize because he, he got so much credit out of it. He got lots of people going, wow, he's quite the statesman. Because remember, only months before that, we, there were so many people worried about Trump's aggressive tweeting about his big nuclear button. And they were worried he was going to lead the world into a world war as a result of the North Korea situation. But after the first summit, people were going, wow, Trump's actually, he's actually hammered out an agreement here. Now, people in the foreign affairs establishment were saying this isn't a real agreement. There's all kinds of devil in the details here which hasn't been addressed. But Trump's still got a lot of credit. So why not go for round two? I think he was of the opinion that he was trying to soften him up a bit in the first summit, just establish a relationship, establish a friendship so that they can then work on more difficult agreements in the future. And this was supposed to be the time when it paid off. So after he left early or they've both left early now and there's no agreement signed and there was nothing really achieved at all, do they then go for round three? What happens from here? Look, I wouldn't be surprised if they go for round three eventually because I think Trump likes these kinds of summits. Trump likes the occasion. He likes to to play president. So I think he would like to have another summit, but I don't think he would like it to blow up in his face again. So I suspect that he might go a bit more conventional in round three. I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow, that's for sure. But I think that this time he might get the foreign affairs establishment to do their job beforehand and, and try and rig up the summit before it happens. Should we just be thankful it didn't kick off a war? We should always be thankful <laughs> that any diplomacy involving North Korea and Donald Trump does not kick off a war. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, look, and we shouldn't underplay as well the fact that they do they have maintained their relationship. At the very least, North Korea and, and Donald Trump are, are not at each other because, you know, you see with Donald Trump, this happens all the time. We mock when Donald Trump sucks up to people on Twitter, and he does it a lot. <laughs> he sucks up to his friends on Twitter 
something chronic. And we, we joke about it. But then there is a strategy to this. And the, the strategy is that he acts a sycophant to try and get concessions out of them. But when he changes his mind and he decides that he's got there's no chance that he's going to get anything out of them, then he turns around and he gets vicious. Now, if things turn extremely negative with Kim Jong-un, we've got a problem. That's when we start worrying about wars. So the fact that they're still extremely positive, I don't think people should be criticizing that. I think people should be thankful for that. And let's hope he stays in sycophant mode because while he is in sycophant mode, there's the chance of real progress being made. Not yet, but fingers crossed. Well, you kind of made me feel good about that. (laughs) I wasn't (laughs) expecting that. Uh, Chaz, uh, thank you so much. We know that you stay awake normally during American business hours and you got up early for this today. So thank you and uh, thank you for sharing your expertise. Appreciate it. But it wasn't just a failed summit that caused headaches for Trump. While he was in Vietnam trying to score that deal with Kim, his former lawyer Michael Cohen was saying this in court. Mr Trump is a racist. The country has seen Mr Trump court white supremacists and bigots. You have heard him call poorer countries shitholes. In private, he is even worse. Mr. Trump is a cheat. It was my experience that Mr. Trump inflated his total assets when it served his purposes and deflated his assets to reduce his real estate taxes. He asked me to pay off an adult film star with whom he had an affair and to lie about it to his wife. I am going to jail in part because of my decision to help Mr. Trump hide that payment from the American people before they voted a few days later. When I say con man, I'm talking about a man who declares himself brilliant but directed me to threaten his high school his colleges, and the college board to never release his grades or SAT scores. The sad fact is that I never heard Mr. Trump say anything in private that led me to believe he loved our nation or wanted to make it better. Writer Amelia Lester has been following the Cohen trials in the States. Amelia, first of all, Why is Cohen telling this story now? Why does he suddenly feel the need to share all his truth? Well, for a start, he has nothing left to lose because he has been charged by the Southern District of New York and he is going to prison. We know that. But secondly, he appeared before the House Oversight Committee last week because he said that he's had a kind of moral reckoning with himself. He said that he just didn't want to keep lying for Donald Trump anymore and that he feared for the country. So in particular, he cited events in Trump's presidency that he was worried by. In Helsinki, Trump said that he believes Vladimir Putin over American intelligence officials about interference in the 2016 election. In Charlottesville, he said that there were good people on both sides of a riot that was incited by neo-Nazis. So he said he was worried about these events. He was worried about the destruction of civility. And he said something quite chilling as well, which served as a warning to the whole country. He said, given my experience working for Mr. Trump, I fear if he loses the election in 2020, there will never be a peaceful transition of power. And this is why I agree to appear before you today. So in other words, he's trying to warn the nation. 
What does he mean by there would be no peaceful transition? Does he think Trump will fight? Yes. That is terrifying. <laughs> would he? Is there a belief that he would bring in Russian support? Is that the idea, that he'll bring in some way of sticking to the job even if he's voted out? No, it wouldn't be as direct as that. One interesting thing we learned in Cohen's testimony over the course of eight hours is we got a kind of insight into how Trump works and how his systematic intimidation and threats towards people work. They don't work by Trump directly asking someone to do something. They work because Trump sets up a system in which the people who support him understand what is expected of them without Trump spelling it out. As Cohen said at one point, every day, most of us going into the Trump organization knew we were coming in and we were going to lie for him on something. So I guess just to close the loop on on that, that idea that if there's an election 2020 and Trump loses, he's not going to let go peacefully. What we learned from Cohen is that it's not that Trump's going to call up the Russians. It's that people who support Trump and people who regard themselves as loyal to Trump will understand what it is that they have to do, which is create havoc, basically. What has Trump's reaction been to the testimony that Cohen's been given? Has he publicly spoken about it? He's tweeted about it and he's claimed that Cohen was just doing it all for a book deal, which Cohen has stated that he's not. At at certain points early on, Cohen was in fact angling for book deals, maybe even TV and movie deals, as he said in his testimony. But now that he's going to prison, book deals aren't really on the table. At this point, he's we have to take at face value the idea that he wants to speak truth because he has nothing more to lose. In terms of Cohen's claims, which one of these is the most explosive? Trump has said that the reason why he didn't go to Vietnam is because he had bone spurs in his feet. It turns out he didn't have bone spurs in his feet. And that was one of the particularly powerful moments of the testimony when Cohen looked directly at the camera, presumably kind of addressing Trump, and he said that he finds it ironic that Trump is in Vietnam right now because, of course, Trump was in Vietnam last week to meet with Kim Jong-un. Amelia, Lester, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. So will Trump be impeached? Will he face charges? Will he go to jail? That all remains to be seen. But along with the Mueller investigation into potential election collusion with Russia and the House Judiciary saying they're now collecting some 60 documents from Trump's CFO and his son looking into possible obstruction of justice and abuse of power by the president, it looks like Trump's terrible week isn't going to end anytime soon. At least he and Kim Jong-un are friends and we're not staring down the barrel of a nuclear war this week. That's it for The Quickie today. For more episodes, head to mamamia.com.au forward slash The Quickie. And if you're a new parent and looking for a fun new podcast to add to the collection while you feed, sleep, change, repeat, hit up the baby bubble. It's very funny and very informative. This episode of The Quickie was brought to you by My Budget. Live your life free from money worries.